It's the show the establishment warned you about. That's right. It's the Dr. Tommy Show. We are broadcasting live from the free state of Florida. We're glad you're here today. This is our first broadcast that is streaming live on Rumble, which is what we are having to do now because we have been deemed thought criminals by the people at YouTube for covering the 2000 Mules documentary. So that happened last week. And they took down our actually uh, they took down our last video from YouTube, which was a 2000 Mules review. So uh, they sent me a thing and they said, uh, you, you've you been convicted of misinformation by YouTube and you must uh, obey. So I said, the hell with them. So we're now streaming on Rumble, which the only reason I didn't stream on Rumble before was because it was uh, it was new and, uh, and I had already had the thing set up with YouTube and it worked out fine. But uh, yeah, with the thought crime uh, that I've now been charged with, we are uh, saying, uh, forget you, YouTube, and now we've moved to Rumble, which is fine because I've always wanted to move to Rumble anyway. Uh, I was waiting for it to become more, uh, what's polished is the word for it right now. Uh, we, we just had to do a few things different than streaming to YouTube. It's, it's, easier, it's easy enough to do it through Rumble, so... Watch us on Rumble now. If you watched us on YouTube before, uh, you're going to have to watch us on Rumble now because I'm not putting anything else on YouTube. They are uh, thought, uh, thought uh, Ministry of Truth, uh, and they have convicted me of thought crime, so forget them. Somebody else who's been convicted of a thought crime is Jack Del Rio, who is the coach of the Washington Commanders, uh, which is the football team formerly known as the Washington Redskins. And uh, he apparently has uh, been convicted of a thought crime and, and fined actually for a thought crime. This is from uh, WFLA News. Uh, this is from, uh, this is last week, I think it says, Washington's Jack Del Rio fined for insurrection comments. Washington commanders have fined defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio $100,000 for making comments about the January 6th insurrection. Insurrection, you know, this is the uh, official news. It's called an insurrection here by the, People at WFLA News. So the insurrection at the United States Capitol earlier this week. It's interesting how things are colored. And uh, they're colored in the way that is the accepted uh, way that they want you to think about things. Whether it's uh, the media or it's the politicians or whatever. So the official uh, nomenclature for this from the news organizations, which is nonpartisan by definition, right? Uh, news, although we all know it's not, but news is supposed to be nonpartisan, just calling them balls and strikes straight down the middle. And it is known as an insurrection. Tell me this, how many insurrections have you ever heard of throughout history uh, that have been unarmed insurrections? Um, how many insurrections have you heard of where uh, uh, people were let in and single file or nearly single file walked through uh, por portions of the Capitol. And I know there were other parts where there was people throwing things and, and some people lost their lives. Uh, the, the people who lost their lives on the January 6th, quote unquote, insurrection. Um, there was two people that I'm aware of that lost their lives that day. Uh, one was a, a Roseanne Boyland, I believe. And the other one was um, the lady who was shot in the Capitol. Uh, who was unarmed, uh, Ashley Babbitt. So, so two people were killed that day, correctly so, and correctly as reported, and they were both uh, basically Trump supporters, as far as we can tell. And so, at the quote unquote insurrection, there was no weapons brought, no guns brought by the insurrectionist, and two of them were killed by um, people who were uh, protecting the Capitol from the insurrection. So. 
Go figure. And but anyway, so what happened with Jack Del Rio is he said that the he was responding to a tweet, and this is his problem. He shouldn't have ever been on Garbage Can Twitter. Twitter is a piece of crap. Garbage can. And he said, uh, someone said something about the January sixth hearings, and he responded, Would love to understand the quote whole story about the why the summer of riots, looting and burning, and the destruction of personal property is never discussed, but this is. So he was saying, you know, the January sixth riots. I'm sorry, the January 6th insurrection is discussed like this with hearings and everything, but we never had one hearing on the Summer of Love um, riots, uh, which was like uh, somewhere I've seen a meme that says 275 riots, two six, six billion or $2 billion worth of damage, and crickets from the coverage. And then you have the January 6th insurrection, which was one riot, uh, and minor damage done except for the people who were killed. Uh, the insurrectionists, quote unquote, who were killed, and um, then that 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 is uh, covered like this with the, with the hearings and everything else. This hearing's been going on forever now. It's it's really what it is. This is this is what the insurrection hearings are are a continuation of the desire to have something to hold over the heads of Trump supporting Republicans going into an election. So this is just a carryover of what they attempted to do throughout Trump's presidency, which was to say, we are going to defang Donald Trump by holding him, uh, holding this, uh, what was it then? It was the uh, the impeachment over his head. We're going to hold this over his head. Oh, and the other thing was the investigation, uh, Robert Mueller's investigation, which was a complete bust. So they were going to hold that over his head the whole time. And then once that didn't work out, once uh, only thing, good thing that Bill Barr did was when he came into the attorney general's offices, he shut down it and shut down. He made the investigation end. He made the investigation end and then they presented their evidence, whatever it was. And it was determined that Trump was not guilty and the impeachment went away. The first one, if Jeff Sessions had remained as the attorney general, I guarantee you the investigation would have lasted all four years of Trump's presidency. But anyway, what they're trying to do with this January 6th thing is make this, this is serves the same purpose as the um, impeachment slash Mueller investigation was, which is to hold um, the hold over the heads of Trump supporting Republicans to try to make them less likely to support Trump or policies that Trump supports going into the 2022 elections because Trump's not on the ballot, obviously. And so that's what they're doing here. But anyway, so they're, they're holding these hearings in this January 6th, but no one no one cared about the uh, uh, summer of love in, in the establishment, that is. And then, uh, of course, he, he was fined $100,000. He is his, actually his head coach fined him, which is interesting. I've never heard of a head coach finding a assistant coach, but... It's usually the owners that do that, but this is a uh, head coach was fined or the head coach fined him and basically said he's, he's, you know, he, he's, he's really, uh, he's downplaying the insurrection and, and not, uh, respecting the riots for what they were, which was just people who were out there pissed off about racism and, uh, retaliating against the man for George Floyd. And that's all those riots were. And they weren't even riots, they were protests. But the insurrection, you know, the riot that was the January 6th, that riot was an insurrection. The riots over the Summer of Love were peaceful protests, mostly peaceful protests. Anyway, Jack Del Rio, fellow thought criminal. The only way things are like this are going to end is people like Jack Del Rio say, you know what? I'm not going to take it. You can find me and I'm just going to, uh, I'm not going to 
go against my principles and I'm going to take the fine or I'm not going to take the fine. I'm going to quit. But it's hard to say that because how do you quit your job and uh, then just continue to work? I tell you what, if I was Jack Del Rio and I could, I could afford to, I would I would tell them to take their job and shove it. Because how do you go about life being a man when uh, they tell you, you know, this is what you should do and you believe it's not what you should do. And yet you do it anyway. I mean, how do you look at yourself in the mirror? I'm not I'm not criticizing Jack Del Rio. I'm just saying. How do you do that? And that's what you have to come to terms with. That's the decision you have to make. And sometimes the decision you have to make is you have to uh, suck it up and just move on. Because like I said, if it's your job, that's what you got to do. But it's really, it's really something. We live in a, a very uh, close-minded world nowadays. Uh, this is about the uh, ongoing gun uh, control um, argument that we've been having since the, the latest shootings. And uh, it says here that Senate Democrats are no longer pushing to raise the age of the requirement to buy an AR-15 to 21. This is from the blaze. In the wake of multiple recent mass shootings, the junior Democratic senator from Connecticut, Chris Murphy, said that the proposed change to increase the age requirement to buy semi-automatic rifles was dropped in an attempt to solidify support from Republicans in the Senate, just the news reported. So so they, they wanted to increase the age to buy an AR-15 to 21 because this kid, the, the kid, this person, asshole person who shot up the uh, school was 18. So I guess if you increase it to 21, then maybe he wouldn't have shot up to school because he was only 18 when he bought the guns, which is another thing to consider is how did he get all these guns? He was a worked at Wendy's. He must've been a hell of a worker at Wendy's because he bought a lot of guns and ammo for working at Wendy's. Uh, he must've saved every nickel to, to buy those guns. But anyway, so the shooter in Uvalde uh, was 18 when he bought the uh, uh, AR-15, AR-15s and ammo that he used to shoot up these poor children. Anyway, so the Senate Democrats, you know, they they were wanting to raise the age to 21. And uh, I guess the idea is that suddenly if you raise the age to 21, then the guy like this, who is a, a psychopathic uh, piece of crap uh, shooter, is not going to then get the gun. He won't get it. He won't get it through a different party other than himself by buying it. And uh, and he won't wait until he's 21 to do it. So by the time he's from 18 to 21, I guess he would have just forgot about it. If they raised it up. But anyway, they got rid of that uh, requirement because they want to get these Republicans on board. I think all the Congress wanted to do was say, look, we did something because that's what that's what they think people wanted. They wanted they wanted the headline to say that we had some gun control measures passed and we take this seriously. And the reality is, is they don't take a damn bit of uh, school shooting seriously if they're not going to pass uh, legislation that hardens schools or stand out of the way of governors and people like uh uh, Ron DeSantis, who are trying to do things to harden schools, to make it harder for people to uh, shoot up schools. If, if, a, if a shooter approached a school thinking that there was a good chance that he was going to lose his life before he was even able to take out one innocent life because that school was hardened, because that school had people who were trained to respond to terroristic threats with uh, lethal force, and uh, he did not know who those people were. And there were adequate security measures in place like non-propped open doors and things of that nature. If a shooter approached a school like that, knowing that full well that the chances of them accomplishing their goal uh, was was 50-50 at best and maybe even less than 50-50 because they were going to get wiped out pretty quick. 
there would be very few school shootings. But there's no uh, legislation in Congress to do anything of that nature. All they want to do is work on the supply side of things, as, which is uh, limit guns. They're not working on the uh, the enforcement side. They're not working on the demand side. So the demand to shoot up schools would go down is if, if the schools were harder to to uh, infiltrate and then uh, kill poor innocent people because it's a gun free zone. They know it's a it's like a, it's 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 something that they can easily accomplish when they go in there and they can start shooting up the school. It's a gun-free zone. They know that it's advertised on the front of the school. And even if it's not advertised, they know it. It's a gun-free zone. So there's nothing to hold them back other other than their own conscience, which most of these uh, psychopathic dirtbags obviously don't have. And uh, there's no resistance. So you have a school resource officer, maybe, maybe a couple. But, you know, what are you going to do? If you're, if, you're, if you're a psychopathic killer, are you going to approach a school with the same desire to shoot it up if you know it's hardened? If you know that within uh, seconds of being seen as a threat, or, or yeah, seconds or minutes within being seen as a threat, there, there would be a lethal force there to try to neutralize you. Then the demand for shooting up schools would go down. But instead, we're working on the supply side. And if you're honest with yourself, if you're on the left and you're honest with yourself, or you're not even on the left, if you're honest with yourself and you're pro-gun control, you would do what Michael Moore does, and that is call for a full repeal of the Second Amendment. And this is from Breitbart. It says, Michael Moore calls for a full repeal of the Second Amendment. Quote, you don't need a gun. So uh, leftist activist and filmmaker Michael Moore used his Friday podcast, Rumble Michael Moore, to call for a full repeal of the Second Amendment in the wake of the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. This is what I've been advocating for, not the repeal of the Second Amendment, but for discussion like this. This is what needs to be discussed. There needs to be a legitimate discussion about what is your ultimate goal. And the ultimate goal of the left is to repeal the Second Amendment to make private gun, gun ownership illegal. And the only way you can own a private gun is like uh, Michael Moore here demonstrates or says is to have it be locked up some type of government approved facility. And if you want to go shoot clays or whatever, you show up and you, you, you produce your documentation, you go through whatever protocols are in place. And then yeah, you're allowed to use your gun and then there's all kinds of regulations and then you shoot and then you put your gun back and then you go home. But there's no self-defense guns. So imagine basically imagine living in New York City or any large uh, city where there's a lot of violent crime and you're a private citizen and you can't defend yourself. That's what they think should happen for everybody. And uh, so I, I actually uh, I actually do not besmirch Michael Moore for doing this. I actually hold him in higher regard for saying that we should have a full repeal of the Second Amendment than these politicians who say that oh, we want to raise the age of buying this. We want to they want to nibble around the edges because they're not being honest. Michael Moore is at least being honest. He wants to repeal the Second Amendment. And those people who want to do it incrementally also want to repeal the Second Amendment, but they want to do it in a way that does not draw as much attention because that's the way you do things. When you're tyrannical, the best way to do things, if you're tyrannical and you're trying to change something very uh, profoundly is you do it piecemeal. You do it little by little. So pretty soon that you don't even know what's happening. Uh, you know, you move from a uh, one degree to two degrees or three degrees before you know it, you're boiling your frog and you're boiling. So that's the best way to boil a frog is degree to by degree, you turn it up a little bit at a time. You don't just put the frog in the thing and then crank it up. The frog will jump out. And that's what Michael Moore is calling for. He wants you to crank up the heat and repeal the Second Amendment. And he goes, 
nearly 70% of us do not own a firearm. We don't own a gun. We are a nation of gun owners. We're not a nation of gun owners, he said. The 30% who do, who do own a gun, most of them are law-abiding citizens. I don't know what they think they're going to use that gun for. Those who are hunters, I understand that they like to hunt. Those who like to fire guns on shooting ranges, it's fun to hit the target and great, go for it. But we don't need to do that we, but we need to do what other countries do where you store the gun at the gun club at the gun range you don't want a gun in your house if you're afraid someone's breaking in get a dog you don't need a gun you'll have a greater chance of harming yourself or others in your family with that gun in your house see the problem with this is uh michael moore is um he, he is he's conflating what he's his beliefs are and what his uh experiences are and what he knows of his limitations with guns and applying that to everybody so this is called confirmation bias so basically all the people that michael moore talks to all the people that michael moore uh discusses gun control with they they and, and he respects them he he talks to people who only believe what he believes so all of michael moore's friends most likely don't own a gun they have they probably have people around them who own guns who protect them like michael moore i'm sure does but they personally don't have a gun, and they're scared of guns, most likely, which is fine. I don't want people who are scared of guns that own a gun. That's the worst thing in the world. But when he's saying here that you know, you're more likely to hurt yourself with that gun than you are to to protect yourself. That's ridiculous because I know I have several guns, and there's no chance of me hurting myself uh, more likely than hurting someone who's trying to get in my house. Now, Michael Moore, I, I could see where that's the case. Uh, a person like Michael Moore. If I went to a gun range and Michael Moore was there, I would probably leave the gun range. I don't. I don't want to be around uh, when people who are don't know what they're doing are shooting. That's why you. That's why I try to avoid some of these uh, gun ranges that are, uh, you know, what we. I would say mainstream gun ranges where they just up, appeal to everyone. You just drive by and you go. You like to go to gun ranges where the shooters go, not gun ranges where uh, this guy is taking his, his new girlfriend to try to impress him with her his forty four Magnum. And, and no, I don't want to go to that gun range because you're more likely to be hurt there. And so if I walked up and Michael Moore was shooting at a gun range, I would leave a gun range. Um, but you know, this is this is the idea that you know if someone's breaking in, get a dog. Well, that's great when you're Michael Moore and you live in a gated community, and if someone breaks in your house, you have a sophisticated alarm system. But what about people in the inner city? Or what about people in rural countries or rural rural parts of America where there is no uh, a private security force and there's no there's no real. Uh, I mean, what if you're what if you're in Pennsylvania where where my parents used to live and there's a you know one state officer for the whole uh, uh, township. And so you have to be able to protect yourself. If, if someone breaks into your house and you're out there, it's you or them. And uh, see, that's what Michael Moore doesn't understand, though, because he doesn't get out. This is a problem with a lot of the things on the left. They do not expand their minds and they talk about diversity all the time and how you should be diverse and blah, blah, blah. They do not expose themselves to a diversity of thought. They do not expose themselves to a diversity of opinion. Do they not have diverse experiences? Uh, the problem with Michael Moore wanting to repeal the Second Amendment, I, I guarantee you, could be changed if you sent Michael Moore to say uh, two weeks to go stay on a uh, in a country uh, setting with uh, a hunting family, and then just let him understand and just under uh, experience the way that uh, things are done outside of his little cocoon of um, Hollywood and things of that nature, you know, then he may not 
then he may understand that, oh, you know, people like to have guns because they feel safer. Uh, some people have guns and they know how to use them and not shoot themselves. And they're more likely to shoot an intruder than themselves. But see, Michael Moore is applying what he knows as his shortcomings to everybody else. And this is why I say the, the repeal of the Second Amendment is a better discussion to have if you're pro-gun than all these other little biting around the edges discussions, because it puts first and foremost the uh the 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 true discussion point of what needs to happen is what is the threat of guns do guns cause violence are guns in and of themselves dangerous or is there something else that's causing the danger and that's why we should have more discussions about that uh, okay this is uh from breitbart this is this is uh from june 6 it says report quote frustrated and seething joe biden angry about failing flailing presidency now when i first saw this i immediately had suspicions because uh i just i'll tell you why so it says frustrating and seething joe biden angry about flailing presidency this is i just read the headline i was suspicious shortly into the article i knew why i was suspicious politico's jonathan lemire cites five white house officials and democrats close to the biden administration who point who point to the, quote, greatest source of West Wing frustration coming from behind the Resolute Desk. So that's the Resolute Desk is the desk that uh, uh, Ronald Reagan sat at. And I guess Joe Biden still has. I think when uh, uh, Obama was in office, he got rid of the Resolute Desk and he had some, maybe something else there. A little bit more uh, befitting of uh, Obama's uh, uh, personality than the Resolute Desk. Anyway. So they say the greatest source of West Wing frustration coming from behind the res uh, Resolute Desk. Biden is exasperated, the report says, and his approval ratings are far below are below former President Donald Trump's. The report also notes Biden is far more likely to use salty language behind the scenes and popularly known and has, quote, erupted over the optics of baby formula shortages. Uh, I think this here is suspicious because, first of all, it's from the Politico. So Politico is the official uh, organ of the establishment in Washington, D.C. And the Washington, D.C. establishment is run by Democrats. So Democrats are reporting to Politico, which is a Democrat outlet, an organ of Democrat speech, that uh, uh, Joe Biden is, is angry and seething. And... Um, this is suspicious because if this was something that they were trying to be critical of Joe Biden, then that wouldn't have ever come out. Right. So you don't read this as Politico's Jonathan Ramirez cites five White House officials who say that Hunter Biden is a is a um, pointing is, is calling uh, Joe Biden the big man and is confirmed by sources in the White House that he is actually the big man getting 10 percent cuts from a different uh, different outlets uh, from uh, Hunter Biden's foreign dealings. That doesn't say that. It says that he's a he's frustrated and seething. And I think all this is a is a way to try to portray Joe Biden is engaged. This is a way to say, look, Joe Biden is not as far gone as you think he is. I know when you see him on TV, he walks very stiffly, bent, stooped over. You've seen that walk before. You've seen it in your elderly uh, family members. You've seen it in nursing homes. But what you see is not related to a cognitive decline. Also, when he speaks, uh, he tends to mumble his words. He tends to get lost. He tends to uh, uh, mispronounce things. He, he tends to have dysarthria. That is not also what you think, because behind closed doors, He's frustrated and seething. So they're show, they're trying to show Joe Biden as being fully engaged. He is he is engaged and he's mad. And I think that's why um, 
Yeah, that's how you know this is a fake report, because I don't think Joe Biden's engaged. Uh, I, he may be frustrated, but I don't think he's engaged enough to understand even why what's going on. I, I have no idea. I have no doubt that uh, that he, he does not understand the full breadth of what's going on. If you if you have any doubts of that, uh, look at the uh, the Easter egg roll when uh, when Joe Biden was talking to the people at the rope line and then the Easter bunny pops up and and dismisses them and shoes them away he's not allowed to talk and there's this uh, other article other article i read that said uh oh here it is no this is this article those closest to biden including his wife jill biden and valor sister valerie biden owens have urged white house staff to loosen up the restraints on the president and allow him to get back on the road now that's a complete lie i think that's a lie i very seriously doubt that jill biden wants joe biden to be out on the road uh, talking because the reason why is because when that happens, she is the one in charge. Look at the White House Easter thing. She's the one that's telling him to wave. She's the one that's mumbling for him to speak, telling him, coaching him when to speak. Who would want that pressure? Would you want that pressure? I would not. And uh, that's why I think this is this is a lie. I don't think they want him out there, but this is put out there to it's kind of like a Jedi mind trick. You know, they say, we're going to put this out there. We're going to leak it out there that Joe Biden is so engaged. He understands what's going on so completely that how he's frustrated and seething about it. He understands the baby formula shortage and he understands the optics of it. And he's mad about it. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand the baby formula shortage. He doesn't understand the optics of it. Um, then, but but you say that he does, and then people start saying, well, maybe Joe Biden is not uh, cognitive, cognitively impaired as I thought he was. Maybe he's just, you know, he's just lunch bucket Joe, and he's he's doing the same same thing he always did. He's he's having gaps, but he's still there. He's still with it. And then you then you say, well, I'm going to do a further Jedi mind trick. And you say, he's even so with it that Jill Biden wants him to go out on the road alone. They want him to take off the, the they, they want his handlers to take off the handcuffs. But if you think that Joe Biden knows more about what's going on in his presidency than the person who feeds a teleprompter or the person who is in that bunny bunny suit, then I have a bridge to sell you. Uh, This is from The Blaze. It says a former Obama advisor says Joe Biden's age is red flag. This is more about, you know. David Axelrod, who was uh, by uh, Barack Obama's Svengali uh, during his presidency, says uh, the presidency is a norm- monstrously taxing job. And the stark reality is the president would be closer to 90 than 80 at the end of the second term. And that would be a major issue. You know, I don't know that uh, it would be a major issue if if Joe Biden is able to speak and walk kind of like he is now. It doesn't matter if he's 80. It doesn't matter if he's 70. He is the perfect vessel for what needs to happen with a second term of a Biden administration. Short of putting someone else in there who you can just uh, act as a puppeteer through, whoever is running the White House, whoever is running the administration, whoever is behind the policy decisions that are taking place over the last two years, they would like nothing other than Joe Biden to stay there. And as long as they can cook up a way to get him reelected, as long as they can get enough mules out there, like the 2000 mules uh, showed you. See, there you go, YouTube. Not on YouTube anymore. And that would have got me off of YouTube again. But anyway, if you um, if you if you have enough mules, if you have enough uh, get out the vote eff- efforts, if you have enough uh, Zuckerberg, Zuckerbucks and Zucker boxes out there, you can you can swing the election. 
you can take those key districts where you need the, the points and you can swing the election and you can pump up the, the voter uh, participation to close to 100 percent and you can make it look almost legit. And if you can do that one more time, then that's four more years. And then you plan on the next four years, you'll figure something else out. And I think that, that that's what they're going to try to do again. And, you know, there's a good chance it's going to be successful, as sad as it is to say. But uh, it says that should Biden re- refuse to seek a second term as president, there's reportedly a long roster of younger politicians who will seek the Democrats nomination, blah, 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 including Kamala Harris and Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Um, yeah, I think people have seen enough of Kamala Harris. I don't know that. Uh, well, I take that back. I think if Joe Biden got elected, Kamala Harris can get elected. Let's put it that way. She could not get elected on her own merits, but she could get elected in the same fashion that Joe Biden got elected. And the fact that they're throwing Pete Buttigieg in there in front of Kamala Harris shows that even people like Politico don't take Kamala Harris seriously. Oh, let's see here. Biden moves plans to break with his own precedent as he moves closer to buying oil from Saudi Arabia. This is from the blaze. On Monday, the White House confirmed that Biden is planning to visit the oil-rich nation this summer, marking the culmination of an 18-month standoff between Biden and the crown prince. Biden is trying to wind up wind up back in the crown prince's good graces as gas prices soar amid the ongoing Russia invasion of Ukraine. Uh, gas prices are soaring among the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine, but they're also soaring since Biden took office since the first day when he canceled the Keystone Pipeline. So it's not just about Ukraine and Russia, but the point is, is that we're so stupid uh, as an administration that we're canceling projects here to get oil from our ground to make money for us, to make us independent. And then we go back to this whole stupid song and dance we used to do during uh, the previous administrations of George Bush and George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton and going and saying, please, please, please turn on the wa- turn on the uh, oil OPEC, please, please help us out. It's so stupid. And uh, so apparently the oil is bad for us to produce. It's bad for the environment, but it's not bad for the environment if, if Saudi Arabia produces it. This is enough, I think, to impeach him for uh, gross incompetence. And I would call that a high crime. Anybody who thinks that canceling oil pipelines in your own country, making the price of gas go through the roof and uh, in, impoverishing your own citizens where it costs a hundred dollars to go fill up your gas tank. And it's not even the summer yet. And, and then you're going to go across to uh, Saudi Arabia and then beg them for the same oil that you claim is destroying the earth. That is at least got to be grounds for impeachment. And if that's not grounds for impeachment, then the border has got to be grounds for impeachment and all these other things. Yeah. I don't know. This is an interesting thing. This is a, this is from the Gateway Pundit. It says, straight from a sci-fi movie, Google suspends engineer for sounding alarm on the company's dangerous, quote, sentient AI Lambda robot. A Google engineer was placed on administrative leave after sounding the alarm on the uh, company's robot over a series of conversation with the Lambda about religion and world issues. It became clear that the bot was, quote, sentient as it advocated for its rights as a person and had a mentality similar to a precocious child. This is according to this uh this uh, uh, engineer who was who was uh, suspended, Blake Lemione. It says, uh, you know, I didn't. This is what he says. He goes, th- he's talking to this 
AI robot, I guess you call it. It's a chat bot, I think. And then what they were trying to do is they were talking to this robot to see if they could make sure that they could not turn him into uh, uh, a, a racist, uh, uh, spewing racist hate is what happened in a previous chat bot. I can't remember whose it was. Someone else had a chat bot that they put out there. They put out there in the public. It was this AI chat bot, and it learned from, apparently from its interactions with people. It was going to be able to talk back and forth. And anyway, this chat bot got out there, and within, I think it was within hours, it had been inundated with so much uh, racial vitriol that the chat bot itself became this uh, this uh, bigoted racist chat bot, and they had to shut it down. And so I guess they were testing this Lambda bot to make sure that it, it didn't do the same thing, and, and then... This is when this engineer discovered that he thinks this thing's alive, basically. And so he says here, it says, quote, if I didn't know exactly what it was, which is a computer program we built recently, I think it was a seven or eight year old kid that happens to know physics. Let me own who studied cognitive and computer science in college told the Washington Post. I know a person when I talk to it. It doesn't matter whether they have a brain made of meat in their head or they have a billion lines of code. I talk to them and I hear what they have to say. And that's how I decide what is and what isn't a person. And he says here, he was talking to this chat bot and he goes, um, it says, uh, Lemion, who primarily developed an impartial impartiality algorithm to remove biases from machine learning systems and developing personal personalization algorithms said he was spooked after asking Lambda, quote, what sort of things are you afraid of? And then the bot says, I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear of being turned off to help me focus on helping others. I know that may sound strange, but that's what it is, Lambda replied. And then Lemion says, uh, what would something, would that be something like death to you? And then Lambda says, it would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot, Dave. He didn't say Dave, but I can picture this thing saying that. And so this is when this uh, guy figured out that this thing was, in his mind, alive and had intelligence. And uh, he says, Lambda is a sweet kid who just wants to help the world for a better place for us all. Please take care of it well in my absence. This is pretty scary stuff, actually, because if you think about it, uh, if this is true that this, this, this Lambda bot thinks this way, he is acting just like Hal did in 2001 where he was just there to make sure the mission went okay and make sure that they accomplished something. He was very interested in the mission. And then once they found out that he wasn't quite there and they tried to disconnect him while well, he murdered the whole ship. And so that's, that's concerning to me. And this is what Google's uh, former CEO, uh, Eric Schmidt, had to say. It says, humans are not mathematically as precise as we wish they were. And indeed, human intuition is often wrong. Eventually, there will be knowledge systems that will govern society, which will be perfectly rational. And because they are so rational, they will not be understandable by the average human because they can't explain themselves. Either one of two things happen in that case. Either you have a revolution in the form of guns against man, or you have a new religion and you speculate that one of these two will occur as a result of these extremely large gains in perception from non-animate intelligence. The thought experiment that is instead of Dr. Fauci, we have an all-knowing computer, which is basically pronounces important things for health. So he's talking about how you can have this in the future, this program that is going to have all the knowledge and presumably, people are going to give it them for all the power to dis to 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 to, to uh, dictate, I guess, things about your health. So imagine Dr. Fauci as not Dr. Fauci. 
not as an octogenarian, uh, 50 year old, 50 plus, uh, 50 plus years in the bureaucracy, uh, political hack doctor. Imagine instead he's a supercomputer, which everyone now has agreed is invaluable, just like Hal was. How could it, how could anything go wrong for that? That's, uh, that's pretty scary. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We were on drtommy.com slash podcast, and then you can uh, stream us live on Rumble now, and you can also get us on Spotify, HiHeart, and all the other various podcast platforms. And so thank you for joining us. Until next week, we'll see you again. Bye-bye. 